0: Hi, welcome back to the Wild Womb Podcast. I'm so excited to share this week's episode on establishing trust and building body literacy through fertility awareness with Michelle Drake. You may know but I'm currently studying to become a fertility awareness educator through Sarah Bly's program, The Well, which certifies through the Association of Fertility Awareness Professionals. You may know, but in case you don't, um, fertility awareness is a practice in building body literacy and understanding a person's fertility through daily observations of biological markers indicating fertility. The fertility awareness method integrates these observations to support folks in either encouraging or delaying conception. It's also so much bigger than that, really. Um, I've had a fertility awareness practice for years, and if you listen to this podcast, you know that I've not really had a period for years as well. So maybe you're wondering why I bother. Um, Well, I've really found that charting my physical, mental, and emotional symptoms has given me such a broader perspective on my overall health, and has even helped me figure out some other conditions I have, particularly relating to my thyroid. The menstrual cycle is a fifth vital sign, and establishing a fertility awareness practice helps us honor that. In this conversation, we talk about how Michelle came to fertility awareness after years of being on and loving hormonal birth control. For her, this has been a practice in building trust, and I think her story is really so encouraging for other folks who may be interested in giving fertility awareness a go. Michelle is a fertility awareness educator and advocate with a passion for supporting people in their contraceptive choices. We met um, in the training with Sarah Bly, which she is also in, even though she's already a certified educator as well. She was inspired to empower people with knowledge about their own bodies so that they may make informed choices about their health. After witnessing, many friends struggle to find their ideal contraceptive method, balance their hormones or achieve pregnancy. And if you'd like to get in touch with Michelle, she does offer one-on-one classes for contraception, conception, menstrual wellness, and achieving hormonal balance. And she also uh, does donation-based distance birth control doula support, which is a super cool service. And I've linked how you can get in touch with her in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening.
1: I am Michelle Drake. Uh, I'm a fertility awareness educator. I certified with FEM and I'm currently in training with The Well, formerly known as Grace of the Moon. Um, I also am a board member for this amazing nonprofit called Empowerment for Girls. Um, And our mission is um, providing self-care tools and resiliency and social-emotional learning tools um, for girls in olympia washington um and i'm also a public school
0: teacher what do you teach in school oh i teach eighth grade english okay i've always wondered (laughs) (laughs) um and empowerment for girls sounds so wonderful um how long have you been a fertility awareness educator um i
1: actually i think i got certified um about a year and a half ago and so um only just a little over a year have I been practicing. And I did my certification through FEM, but almost as soon as, I wasn't even really finished with the program and I already realized like that wasn't enough for me. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to kind of get into like this second layer of like, not just what fertility awareness is and how people can use it, but also um, like all of the health indicators and um, deeper connections and some of the more like emotional pieces. Um, so I immediately was like, I need another program that's going to be able to do that for me. So awesome. I'm still learning.
0: <laughs> so what is
1: FEMS curriculum like? Um, Femme is, um, a symptom hormonal method, which mm-hmm. means, um, they observe like cervical fluid and, well, they call it cervical mucus, but it's the same thing. And also <laughs> LH tests, um, Okay. To try to identify ovulation. Um, And so that's pretty much like what their program is, is based on. And they use a lot of the research from um, Billings and like all of the odoblad studies about cervical mucus, which is really great. Um, But their method also hasn't been like clinically tested yet. And um, there's a lot of like uh, Catholic affiliation inside of the program.
0: That okay.
1: I felt a little bit uncomfortable about, um, just because I use fertility awareness for birth control and that's mostly why I teach people fertility awareness.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: um, so I have a hard time when there's like religious ideology mixing up with birth control. Um, yeah, definitely. And that's fine
0: for, you know, people who appreciate that, but that's not for me. And how did you find them? Like what made you do that training?
1: Um, That training is one of the most accessible trainings, I would say, because Mm. it's completely online and it can be self-paced. So uh, you don't have to like tune in live to anything necessarily, um, except for like your final exam. And Mm. also um, it was really affordable. So that was kind of, I think I found out about it from... Um, a Facebook group, Fertility Awareness Method of Birth Control, um, because of some other people who were going through the instruction um, at the time.
0: Okay. Yeah, I had never heard about it until starting this program with The Well. Um, Yeah, it's interesting how many there are out there. And uh, yeah, the I don't know. I guess I had never really considered the religious affiliation, but that's kind of a huge part of a lot of fertility awareness method training and teaching.
1: Yeah. And I really feel strongly about it because for me, it's like this layer of reproductive justice. And so I just feel like there's inherent bias. If mm-hmm. if you are, hmm, let me take a step back. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of preferences for myself about what's good for me, but I would never um, tell someone else what methods they should or shouldn't use. And um, that's really important to me to maintain. It's like a layer of integrity. So um, it wasn't a good fit for me.
0: Yeah, I understand that. And I mean, that being said, too, I think thinking about like hormonal birth control too I feel like there's definitely two camps of like natural birth control and hormonal birth control and once you're on one side you can't really advocate for the other but it's nice to hear that you're not trying to enforce an an agenda on people (laughs) yeah and
1: actually it's so funny that that you bring that up because that's something I'm really like I struggle with regularly um I feel like there's so many fertility awareness educators who are like very anti hormonal birth control. And I totally understand because I like part of that is truth for me, but also it's just so important that we all have options and uh, you know, it will never be my practice to tell somebody like what they should be using at any given time because
0: that's just like so individual. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I there was a while ago, I had posted something on my Instagram page, um, like asking people why they didn't use hormonal birth control. I think I forget exactly how I worded it. But I had a few people respond to it. And it wasn't it was supposed to be a really open question. And um, but I think people got offended that I don't know, just assuming that I was only advocating for non-hormonal birth control and were very protective of their experiences of the positives of hormonal birth control. And I feel like it is important to acknowledge that it like totally has its place for people. I feel like in this work, it's just so important to be providing people with all of their options Mm -hmm. and just letting them know like what's available to them. Yeah, I totally agree. And like part of what
1: I see as like those two separate camps when you're in the fertility awareness world, especially is like the people who tend to feel really um, strongly that hormonal birth control is um, not great are people who have had bad experiences with it. And um, I guess just like keeping in mind also this layer of informed consent, which is like Um, do you really, are you really, truly informed of all of the side effects and, um, different impacts that this medication is going to have on your body before you take it? And unfortunately for most of us, that's not really the case. And Mm -hmm. so I think there's like this, um, really feisty kind of, um, attitude that comes out, um, because everyone's just trying to defend each other's safety.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. definitely. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a really important point to bring up in the the idea of informed consent, because I think that, you know, historically, the birth control pill was meant to give people like the power to have more options and more choices. And that's always an argument that I've made and or I've come across is that like, it has been such an important tool for people to have autonomy. But the problem is that, there isn't the informed consent aspect. Like we aren't really told about all of the side effects that we can have. And I, I think that that's not necessarily like doctor's faults. I think a lot of times they don't know either. Um, and yeah, and we're just kind of left to like navigate all of this on our own and do the research ourselves, which is obviously not great.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and that's why I'm here, like in this place of like always learning more and, and trying to share that.
0: Yeah. Um, because that informed consent isn't like routinely happening. Yeah. I'd love to hear how you came across fertility awareness.
1: Sure. Um, I was actually, can I zoom out a little bit first? <laughs> oh yeah, sure, sure. So, um, cause it's, I feel like there's like a little bit of a backstory. So, um, I grew up like kind of being afraid of pregnancy and mm-hmm. so like a big part of the reason why is because my mom um, had her first pregnancy when she w- she had her first son when she was 16 mm-hmm. and um, most of my siblings I have a big family but most of them also had their first child before they graduated from high school and okay. so um, I just like had this like they're they're all so happy to be parents and you know they're happy with their choices and life is fine Um mm-hmm. and it's not like this horrible thing but I saw how hard their lives became um when they had children so young and so I was like yeah that is not for me um, not that I'm never going to do it but I did not want to do that as a teenager or a very young person and so yeah I just had this feeling that Um, I would just like wake up one day, like pregnant, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would have no control over it. I would just wake up (laughs) pregnant and then like the rest of my life was just decided for me. And, um, so it's pretty much as soon as I was old enough, um, I was 15 and I brought myself to the doctor and said that I wanted birth control and I stayed on it for like 10 years straight. Um, a couple of different methods, but I stayed on it consistently for 10 years and, Sometimes I'm really grateful that I had that, um, especially Mm -hmm. like during those college years. Um, You know, I was like, I was in college for seven years um, because I had to get my master's to um, teach in New York at the time. And so to have your education disrupted after, you know, six and a half years would have been like devastating. So I'm super grateful for it in some respects, but in other respects, like um, it kind of, I had all of these like symptoms and I wasn't putting it together. Um, And I couldn't figure out like something was wrong and I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't really put it together. And I was talking to one of my friends who is actually Catholic. And she was like, Oh, you need to read about like body ideology and um, the natural family planning method. And I was like, what is this? And when I first started reading it, I was like, no way this does not work. (laughs) This is like, No, way too weird for me. Um, And I was like, yeah, it's just like um, this ideology that's not actually going to (laughs) work. And so I just I just started kind of like listening, though, um, like online in different groups. And sometimes I would hear stuff and it was like, okay, this is really not for me. But other times, (laughs) something started to make sense. And it didn't actually take that much googling before I was like reading the insert on my birth control implant. And it was like, oh, may cause, um, weight gain and depression and mood swings and, um, recurring yeast infections and like all these things that I had been struggling with for years. And there it was right on the insert of my pamphlet that I never read. Um, and so anyway, kind of like simultaneously digging into the fertility awareness world. Um, and I went to my doctor and said that I wanted the implant removed and they said that that wasn't a good choice for me. Um, because I didn't want to have kids at that time. And so they thought that, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to use any hormones and they felt like that wasn't good enough. (laughs) Yeah. Which is like, I have a (laughs) lot of, I mean, if someone told me that now about anyone's birth control choice, um, I would be a lot more aggressive about it. But, uh, at the time I just found a new doctor who would remove it and, um i picked up a book <laughs> i picked up um taking charge of your fertility awesome. and yeah and i joined um this facebook group and that i mentioned before fertility awareness method of birth control and i i kind of self taught and i did that for a couple of years before i was like hey i want to share this with the world so i need to get more educated um but that's kind of how i popped into the fertility awareness world there's my long story <laughs>
0: That makes sense. I mean, I feel like that's a lot of people's stories, you know, it's, yeah, having these other things fail you and needing an alternative. Do you feel at this point that like, I know you said that if you heard a a doctor now talking about somebody's options in that way, you'd be a little bit more aggressive, Um, (laughs) which I agree. But do you feel like learning fertility awareness has made you more of an advocate for your health care like overall
1: uh yeah definitely <laughs> yeah um but it's also like it's really just changed my whole interactions with medical professionals and
0: mm-hmm.
1: part of this is like I have to keep it in check sometimes because I am in community with a lot of people who haven't really felt heard by doctors or who haven't really um been taken they don't feel that they've been taken seriously um or maybe mm-hmm. they've had negative experiences and I hear all those stories and I never really hear no one ever is like hey Michelle I want to tell you about this great gynecologist appointment I had yeah <laughs> so I feel like sometimes I sort of like carry that um kind of other people's trauma on me uh, mm-hmm. oh yeah so um you know carrying other people's trauma around um I I don't want to do that when I'm like interacting with doctors, but um, it's also changed a lot of like who I seek out medically. So Mm -hmm. I see a naturopath now and I feel really lucky to be able to do that because I live in Washington state and um, my insurance will cover it here. But I recognize that's like definitely not the case for everyone. Um, And the experience is just so different because it's about education. So my doctor is not like telling me, Oh, do this thing. It's like, um, teaching me what the problem is and had different ways to treat it. And it's very much like asking, um, about my preferences and it's very much my choice. Um, and it's not like sitting in a waiting room, waiting for your doctor for 40 minutes. And then a PA comes out and sees you for five. Um, yeah. I spend like 45 minutes with my doctor. if She's the only person who I see, um, when I go there. So It definitely changes that. (laughs) It's super great. It definitely changes that. And then um, the other pieces, I do feel like when I do end up with like a white lab coat doctor in like the traditional setting, I do feel like I can advocate for myself better. But I also feel a little bit um, of like, sometimes I almost don't want to give too many details about like my cycle or I don't want to ask too many questions because there's this sort of, There can be this dynamic where it feels like if you Google something too hard, your doctor's not going to take you seriously.
0: Definitely. Yeah.
1: Um, And so sometimes I kind of like try to listen a lot and ask a lot of questions instead of um, presenting my own um, guesses at what's going on.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which is, it's it's an interesting thing to have to navigate that, like knowing so much more, but still needing to like keep it under wraps. Basically for their egos, we're basically protecting their ego.
1: <laughs> I know, it's true, it's true. But then it's like, if you don't protect their ego, then um, I feel like I won't be heard. Yes, you know? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, if you don't, you're compromising your care. Yeah, just so terribly. complicated. It is definitely complicated. <laughs> when, when you were on birth control, how did you feel about it? Like, what was your relationship to hormonal birth control?
1: Um, I actually really loved it. Um, I, you know, I really just liked being able to rely on it. And I honestly, like when I really look back, (laughs) when I first (laughs) took, um, the pill, I was so physically sick. I was like vomiting. It was awful. Um, And I was my body, it was just like way too high of a dose of hormones for my body to handle. And so I had this like really terrible reaction. And I remember talking to my sister about it. And who was she's like five years older than me. And um, she was saying, well, there's like a lower dose. I'm sure we can get you a lower dose. We'll call your doctor because I was sick every day for a week. So we we call the doctor and we get this new pill. And then I was only sick the first day of every month. And that was like, (laughs) a manageable side effect for me at the time. I was like, okay, I can do that.
0: It's (laughs) crazy what we accept.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what? Like now when I think back, it's that's crazy. Um, and, but I really generally had a good experience with it. And I even, I used numering for a while and I, that actually had like the least side effects for me. And I know a lot of people have bad experiences with it. So I'm not like necessarily saying it's fantastic for everyone, but It really was great for me. Um, And I ended up, I ended up on the implant and the implant was the only birth control that like really messed me up. And I didn't, the worst part was I did not know for like four and a half years. So I ended up having it in for five years of these like terrible symptoms where I actually just thought like, oh, well, I'm in my twenties now. And so maybe like my body's changing again, but it was, it was really difficult, um, especially the emotional stuff. And I was like really quick to anger. um, So that was tough, but, but in general, I I had a pretty good experience on birth control and I felt like really liberated by it. And I felt really like excited that I could um, like take charge of, of my own body in this way. And Mm -hmm. it felt like really fantastic to me. And I, I talked to all my friends about it and I was always kind of a little bit of a sexual health nerd. Like when I was a little kid, I would <laughs> walk to the public library and read The Care and Keeping of You. Uh, oh, same. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I was like, I would never check it out, but I would just quietly read it there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> me too. Always. I would like to sneak over. to I still remember that like in my brain, I have an image of that corner of the library in my head because it was like, I don't know about you, but I felt embarrassed to be so interested in it, but nobody mm-hmm. was talking to me about it. So yeah, yeah I, I had know.
1: a very similar experience with that and yeah and so I I ended up kind of being in high school like the friend where people would come to me and and be like, what kind of birth control will work for me if this is what I want? And this is what I want. And what are the pros and cons of this other method? And (laughs) how do you get birth control without your parents knowing? And so it was like kind of this fun thing in a way. Um, yeah. And I was like, really a big advocate for birth control. And I used to judge people who weren't using it. And, um, and that's like just being young and naive and not having a huge scope of the world. Right. Is like you think, you know, what's better for other people. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and so I still feel that, yeah, some, for some people and especially at some phases of their lives, like it's absolutely important for them to have access to that. And I want it to be free and accessible and no questions asked always. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've learned is, is for me. And I think for a lot of people um, there are, Better ways when you're talking about like long term health. There are better ways to manage fertility for
0: for some people. Definitely. And did you stop being so interested in it because of the side effects that you were experiencing? Like, what made you what made you realize that all of this was going on?
1: Um, I just I was I was talking with this friend who was like, "Yeah, it's your birth control," and I okay. I didn't really. Um, I didn't really believe her because I was like, you have bias because you don't like hormonal birth control. (laughs) But she was like a friend that I had known for years. And so I just kind of, I was like, okay, it's worth a few, um, a few hours on Google. And, and, you know, it didn't take long to figure out that she was, she was right. And so I started kind of like looking for more opportunities to learn about this. And I fell in with this awesome, actually (laughs) midwives, man,
0: midwives
1: (laughs) and birth doulas are like, they will make you community wherever you are. So I fell in with this awesome group of midwives in Troy, New York called Heart Space Midwifery.
0: Cool.
1: And um, they hosted this event called
0: the Fifth Vital Sign. Yes, I did that training. <laughs> I did that training too. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so so fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, So I went, I went to this class and I was like, this is it. This is what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a birth (laughs) control doula. Um, Yeah. So that's awesome. So here I am. (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. When did you do it? Um, I can't, I guess I attended their class. It must've been about four years ago because I went with my best friend who was, um struggling to conceive and after that class she
0: sure did she conceived that's amazing
1: so I guess it was about four years ago um that I went to that was just like a one-day class and then um so I kind of followed them and then I trained up with them um I think it was in the winter of 2016 okay and then I um completed the conversations and community training um I think just about two years ago now.
0: I was in that same one. That is so funny. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I think they're so, so great. And yeah, the the work that they've done is amazing. But yeah, I agree. It's like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I'd I'd love to travel around and teach this to people. I think it's like the best way to spread it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so cool. Your friend got pregnant. It's amazing.
1: I know. Isn't it great? Yeah. It was such a cool experience too, because we went into it so differently. Like I'm all about like, Oh, you should get to know your body and have this great relationship with your body and bond. And like, it's okay to use tampons that don't have an applicator. And right. And I go with (laughs) my friend who like, can't even say the word vulva. And she's just like, she had this like Catholic school, um, sex ed and, um, it's just not something that she ever got comfortable talking about. Um, And so it was such a funny experience to go with my best friend and have these like completely opposite experiences where I was trying to learn how to avoid pregnancy and she was trying to get pregnant. Um, And it was like a kind of a beautiful, magical little thing we had.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think that's another thing that is so amazing about fertility awareness is that it is for everybody. You know, it supports people who are trying to delay conception and people who are trying to seek it out. And um, yeah, I think that's just like a misconception about it, actually. But I actually have a friend who was talking to me about being in high school and having the book Taking Charge of Your Fertility and her boyfriend's mom seeing her reading it and like totally freaking out and thinking that she was trying to like trap her son and get pregnant <laughs> and yes yeah, <it's>, I mean <laughs> I think that's a funny thing to think about but it, it's just such a shame that it's not taught to young people as like a a common method to get to know your body if nothing else just to like mm-hmm. understand the processes of your physical body um yeah yeah I agree with
1: that and I think like a big part for me is like sort of aversion to the word fertility Mm. um and I think that's true for a lot of people who use this as birth control um because when you hear fertility taking charge of your fertility you think it's like this is a book for people who are trying to get pregnant um and so I always only equated my fertility with yeah getting pregnant or like it's I don't want to be fertile like that's not what I you know it's not what I'm about and um I'm really glad that I got over the title and read through the book because it's about taking charge of that. And so it's not like this book is for people who are trying to get pregnant. It's like this book is for people who cycle.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and with that being said, have you has your relationship to fertility changed at all or to like your fear of pregnancy? Yeah, I I think the fear of
1: pregnancy part has shifted for me. And part of that is over time. Like I'm 30 years old right now Mm -hmm. and you know, no longer feels like this terrifying thing that would like be, this like burden or also more importantly, it no longer feels like this thing that I'm just going to like wake up tomorrow pregnant because (laughs) even though I've always kind of known that that's not how that works, um, it feels (laughs) like something I have control over now. Whereas before it felt kind of just like luck of the draw and like you can use birth control and like, that'll probably work, but it, I mean, it doesn't work for everyone. Like I know people who it didn't work for. Um, And so I, I do feel like I have more control now using the fertility awareness method and I think a lot of people are kind of like tripped out by that because they there's room for error, right? There's much more room for error than there is if you have like an, an IUD or an implant um, because you can you can observe your signs wrong, or you can record them wrong, or you can interpret your chart wrong, um, or you can neglect to communicate with your partner. And so yeah, it can go wrong, and it's not for everyone. But um, I have a lot of faith in the amount of training that I've received and mm-hmm. also a partner who's very curious and scientific. And so that was something actually, it took a long time for him to feel comfortable relying on this um, like years actually. Yeah. Um, which I get, I totally get. And that's like that whole piece of consent, right? Because the consent isn't just about like having sex consent is about reproduction too.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I have found that to be a barrier for myself as well as having partners who just don't trust it. Because, I mean, we, we all grew up in the systems telling us that you're going to get pregnant by looking at each other <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> like birth control is the only way. So how, how do you feel like you were able to evolve with that and get you two both on board with the fertility awareness method? Um, well, I think it,
1: it has to start, like, you have to come at it from a place of compassion and mm-hmm. like respecting the, whoever's like lowest on the intention scale of like most wanting to avoid pregnancy has to like win <laughs> in <Yeah. every> conversation <laughs> um, because the stakes are so high. And so you just have to like respect that that boundary has been set. And, um, so if we find another way, right. Use another method on top of it or, um, don't have intercourse that, that ends in ejaculation or, um, like there are some kind of like tricks for avoiding that for a little longer. But honestly, Mm -hmm. the thing that was most helpful was, um, reading the studies because even though there aren't too many, some of the studies that we have are really of high quality. Um, and so when you're dealing with a science nerd, that's helpful. And then, um, the other piece was, um, when I started charting on paper, I taped up that chart right next to my bed. And so every single day, he could see not only like my diligence of, oh, she's recording everything, but also could just go and look at my chart anytime it was like accessible, there were no secrets, there was no like, um, he didn't have to ask for it, it was just there. And I think that really helped with the comfort piece.
0: Yeah, I think that's huge. Actually, a really big thing to know is that I mean, on so many levels, the less that we keep this like a hidden secret and information that's like just ours um I think it it just becomes better on so many levels mm-hmm. like there's more trust for yourself to i I think I have found like being more open about it has made me trust it more and like be more willing to to do all of the things to make sure that it works and and same with partners and Yeah, I think that's just, that's such an important thing to note. And I feel like that's, that's a place where fertility awareness can support better relationships, Mm -hmm. which maybe sounds dramatic, but I think it's true. Oh, I don't think it's dramatic at all. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't either. But I think sometimes when I say things like that, people don't love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, part of it, like for me, part of the
1: process was, um, I have been so socialized to think like periods are gross. Vaginal discharge is gross. Vaginas are gross. If you have one, you're Mm -hmm. gross. Like all of these body hair is gross. (laughs) And like learning that all of those things are actually normal and natural and healthy and good. Um, Mm -hmm. And like learning how they function made me appreciate them more. and. And then I don't have to be ashamed of them. And then I can feel more confident in myself and then I can love myself. And then I can share that knowledge with my partner. And, and, you know, one thing that came out of this for us was this deeper understanding of like what it means to live cyclically, which is like a way that I, I live now because I'm a cycling person. Um, I have times in my cycle where I have higher energy or lower energy or more emotional energy or more, you um, desire to be near him, like, I'll just, Mm -hmm. you know... Sometimes he can h- come home from work and and I'll just be like, oh, I missed you so much all day, and let me kiss your cute face, and and he's just like, okay, so follicular phase, right? <laughs> and that's been a cool tool to like, it's been a cool tool to um, learn how to interact with each other on a different level and like learn how to say what I need. Also, like, I need some space right now because I am deep in the luteal phase. So just like steer clear, <laughs> maybe like yeah. order take out and go hide. <laughs> um, and so that's been a really cool tool because before I would have, you know, just not really known what was happening in my body and not honored what I needed. And, um, and so he wouldn't have been able to
0: either. Yeah. And that's the thing is that like, those cycles are still happening whether you acknowledge them or not, but we are so taught to not acknowledge them that I feel like we have so much just inherent distrust of our bodies. And um, yeah, I, just, yeah, like, not being able to have the language for what your experience is. But once you do start paying attention and, and understand, like, cyclical living, you do get to have that language. And it really changes things. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. How, with that, like, building trust on your body, how do you feel like that's happened for you? Um. Well, that was that was a piece that like
1: goes all the way back to my, you know, very young fear of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like it's a thread that has followed me through and it's, it's learning to trust your body is one of those things that like you can get 90% there and then start back at square one or, um, I feel like it kind of spirals with you. So you can like, you can get there and it's great. And then a month later or a year later, or 10 years later, you're learning it all over again. Um, Because our bodies are always changing and what we ask of our bodies is always changing and what we expect of our bodies is always changing. Um, And so, yeah, I definitely had that around. um, Especially when I came off of, of birth control, like there was part of me that felt like sad and, frustrated that I had like done something bad to my body just because I was having so many negative symptoms at the time and I was like Mm -hmm. "What? I did this to myself and I was so angry um and felt like also failed by like my doctor and that was tough um And also my body wasn't doing what I thought it should be doing, which is cycling on a perfect 28 day pain-free cycle. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was really frustrating because there's a lot that you can try to do to improve that, um, like through, you know, lifestyle and diet and uh, different supplements and, and those things are helpful and they're wonderful and important, but also sometimes you just need to like chill out and rest and let your body do its thing and like trust that it's going to correct itself because the body wants to heal itself. And sometimes we just need to give it a little bit of space to do that and stop being so hard on ourselves. Um, And so that was like a lesson that I had to learn then. And like this other layer of it is that I struggled with an eating disorder when I was a teenager. And, um, and so I kind of like dissociated from the sensations in my body a little bit um, mm-hmm. where instead of like feeling hunger, I would think it was pain. So then I wouldn't want to eat. And it kind of, it, it created this problem where even still, um, you know, decades later, I still struggle to figure out like, am I hungry or does my stomach hurt? And yeah, <laughs> it's like a real thing. Um, it is. I totally relate. <laughs> yeah. And so kind of learning how to trust my body on that too has been, challenging but very rewarding and Mm -hmm. it's something that like I still struggle with every now and then and one thing that's become a pattern in my body is like when I'm under stress to pick up some weight and it seems like you know no amount of like calorie counting or or over exercising will um, correct it and I had to do a lot of learning around it but like it's because when your body is holding on or holding on to extra weight, it's because your body doesn't feel safe <laughs> right. and your body doesn't feel um, supported. And so it's like fending for itself. <laughs> and if you can just like let go of that, um, then your body will always want to self-correct. It's, you know, that's, that's its job. And um, all of the ways that we burden it by trying to like count calories and over-exercise is just going to make it want to hold on even more. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. That's such a important thing. And I think, yeah, saying the idea of like, sometimes your body just needs space and rest. I feel like that is the biggest thing. You know, there's so many things that we try to throw on ourselves to like correct and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I, I mean, those things do have their place. But I feel like first and foremost, it's giving our bodies the opportunity to heal Um, which is really a lot harder said than done. (laughs) Um, Yeah, especially if you've like lived most of your life, not doing that and being which is a lot of us, I think, or most of us being told that you can like enforce these regimens and structure, but your body doesn't function that way. And I think that's, you know, definitely the power of living cyclically, as well as like honoring that and understanding that there is this ebb and flow and things are going to be different every day and you need to like let that happen yeah, yeah. definitely with
1: you there it's um an in exercise and in, in trusting your body is like just something that I think keeps coming up throughout life so um it's just it's that common thread that's like run through so many of our stories um And I think that's what has brought a lot of people into fertility awareness um, because learning how your body works is like the best way to um, give up some of that like blind faith. (laughs) And then you have, you have some informed um, way to feel like you can trust your body.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel, yeah, like to go on the, eating disorder thing I feel like this practice can be such a healing tool for that um amongst other anxiety provoked mental health issues um but yeah I, I I just agree I think it it just it being like the basic everyday having to pay attention to these specific things in your body makes you pay attention to your body and be present rather than dissociate and try to like ignore what's happening um and that just has such a ripple effect of like our overall self-care yeah how do you feel like you are able to like continue building that trust because I think it's an everyday thing oh yeah (laughs) it's
1: definitely an everyday thing (laughs) um well some things that are really important to me specifically, um, are just like being present in my body. Um, and Mm. so that's sometimes a really hard practice for me. I tend to be, get like stuck in my head a lot. And so some things that are really great for me, I've taken up running and if you can, if you can, like find an exercise that's like that you don't have to think about and that you can enjoy, and it's not like painful for you, I recommend yeah. going at it with like no headphones in because, um, and, and sometimes I, you know, I love listening to music when I run too, but um, it's a it puts me in this meditative state, and like I've always really struggled with sitting quietly to meditate, and so moving meditation has been something I've kind of like adapted to over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And so that's been really great. And then I actually have learned so much from working with Empowerment for Girls about different mindfulness practices, um, like different breath work and, and different meditation styles and sound healing. And so that's been a really great experience. And it's fun because I used to bring into my classroom sometimes too. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, but that's been really great for me. And I think that journaling is also a really powerful tool, although I always underutilize it.
0: Yeah, me too. (laughs) I'd love to hear a little bit more about Empowerment for Girls. I keep getting these like little glimmers of what it is, and it sounds amazing.
1: Uh, Yeah,
0: it's pretty special. I feel really lucky to work with them. Um, So Empowerment
1: for Girls um, is basically a yoga camp that um, is structured to Serve girls in our community. And it's been going on for about a decade in Olympia, Washington. But um, our founder, Kristen Rubis, who's also just amazing, um, made it into a nonprofit three years ago. And so two years ago, I joined the board of directors and worked with the whole crew on coming up with a, a curriculum called Conscious Minds, Conscious Bodies. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun because the the first empowerment camp um like they're they're themed so like there might be a day about self-love or there might be a day about um resiliency and so we have these like beautiful uh uh talking circles about this topic and um we go into some yoga and also some breathwork or meditation and then there's a lot of art projects involved and, and games but there's also this whole layer of social emotional learning and so the like one thing that i really love about it is um we have a date that's just about boundaries and consent and it's like we we role play with them so maybe they'll get a card that says like your friend wants to borrow your sweater and you don't want her to but you don't want to hurt her feelings what are some ways that you can say no (laughs) or like what are some ways you can support your friend in saying no um yeah and and also like with our physical space like we um kind of play around with like what is your bubble and how do different people um, like meet different physical boundaries with you and also the way that they're behaving? Like, are they coming at you with anger? Are they coming at you with excitement and how does that maybe change your own physical boundary? Um, And it's kind of, it's about listening to your gut, right? Listening to your intuition, which so many of us Mm. sadly are socialized to ignore.
0: Um, So that's
1: been really beautiful, but um, I'm really excited. I don't know how it's going to work out now um, with so many things being closed so many you know live things being closed we might be teaching yeah. um our conscious sexuality program online this year I don't know
0: that's such yeah fun. but
1: you know maybe maybe it will happen maybe we can do it in person it's so much more fun
0: yeah that sounds so incredible I wish that that was something I had when I was growing up
1: that's what we all say <laughs> uh, that's that's why yeah that's why we <laughs> need it because it was the thing we needed when we were kids
0: Definitely. I mean, I need it as an adult too. <laughs> like I said, I've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's wonderful. You do so much cool work. I'm so impressed. I just really, a big, I just love
1: learning and I also love working with young people. And so um, I'm trying to like find a lot of middle ground there, but thank you for saying that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely feel that. I think it's so cool. It's cool to see that you're an educator and that there's so much room for change in education from based off of like when I was in it as a child. <laughs> and it's just inspiring, that that's happening. <laughs> so keep doing Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> How do you feel um, like they are... How are, like, yeah, how are these young people um, receiving this? Like, are they excited about, or is there, like, the I'm too cool for this (laughs) element? Um, Well, I mostly, like, this
1: is not instruction that happens in my public school setting ever. Um, Like, that that would be really complicated to try to bring that in, although I would love Mm -hmm. that someday, Um, but in the empowerment camps, they're small and that keeps it intimate and it keeps it a safe place to ask questions. And so um, it's mostly a really fun place to be. And then sometimes like when we, we have a day where we talk about puberty and body changes and that can be um, it's really beautiful to hear these like thoughtful questions that young people can come up with. And it's also in my own head, kind of funny, sometimes the misconceptions that pop up. Yeah, (laughs) Um, but it's really, it's really nice. And so we try to build spaces for uh, like one on one conversation, or like one on two conversation, like small groups kind of thing. And also, Mm -hmm. um, we have a a anonymous question box that we (laughs) everyone has to write a question every single day, and they're anonymous. And so um, there's kind of less pressure, I guess, on being able to like just bring up topics that you feel uncomfortable discussing. So it's pretty cool to see the girls build community. And usually by, uh, you know, the third or fourth day, they're best friends. And by the end of the week, they're all exchanging phone numbers.
0: That's amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's so cool to be able to build those friendships or people or help them build those friendships. That's so important. And especially around this yeah, to have like con- more conscious existence. I love that. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like I've asked all of the questions I wanted to ask, but I'd love to give you the space to talk any more about anything if you want to. Um, I
1: guess I'm just really feeling grateful today that, I get to be in community with so many amazing people. And I wanted to say Mm. that because um, there's so much of our lives that we go through that we feel isolated. And also um, especially when we're talking about our bodies and, and sexual health and reproductive health and gender. And so much of that is like private struggle. And so I feel really grateful to have been working in this, field long enough to know awesome people like you and like our wonderful classmates who, (laughs) um, who are just like again and again, stepping up for each other. And I'm just feeling super grateful for that right now.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like it's fair or fair and good to acknowledge that here that we had that conversation earlier today. Um, I think, yeah, I I can just give a little bit of background on, um, uh, yeah, I guess like our, our class today for the well that we're both in um, met and talked about a particular podcast episode, but largely more about trans social justice and um, making sure we're figuring out ways that we can be inclusive with the work that we're doing once we all certify. And it felt so affirming and powerful to be able to have those conversations and and to look at all of the ways that I don't know. We have our own blockages and how we're going to break this down and and create more space for people. And yeah, I I just totally agree with you. I feel super held by that community and lucky to be a part of a group of people that are like willing to push their boundaries and ask questions and restructure things. It's so special. I totally
1: agree. Because like some of this learning that we're doing is, it's really hard stuff. And Um, it's so good to be able to do that in a safe place and make sure that everyone's supported. Um, and I feel so grateful for all of the excitement around doing that work. It's just,
0: it's wonderful. Yeah, Yeah, I, I agree. It feels so special. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me and for sharing so much and for doing all of the amazing work you do. I really appreciate it and feel so inspired by you. Thank you, thank you for um, talking
1: with me today. Um, no problem. Yeah, I've been following you for a long time, so I have this like <gasps> Instagram famous That's like you're so my funny. you're my fertility <laughs> awareness idol, and here we are.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, and I'll see you see you virtually okay. soon. <laughs> Thanks, Kaylee. Okay, take care. Bye.